Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Austin Film Corps podcast. That's right. I've officially given it a name. Uh, we're on day six of my uh, probably going to be eight day push now. Got two more days of this. Uh, we've been recording for six days straight, um, and I'm finally getting the episodes online. You're going to be able to see them really soon. Um, but yeah, it's been a fun journey, uh, to say the least. Um, as I've mentioned before, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> I had to wake up early at 4 a.m. to get on a film set. And uh, then I finished that and then went straight away to working on previous episodes. So that's where I'm at. Um, today I'm joined by uh, a person I've never met before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> her name is Hannah Hurd. Say hello, Hannah. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Hannah, uh, like I said before, um, we've never met, so I know nothing about you except for the fact that you're a student, um, you're in your senior year, you've worked on a lot of films, you've done a lot of photography, I'm sure you've done a whole bunch of different things. You told me before getting on that you're also a tour guide <laughs> in San Marcos, or is for Texas State specifically, or like all San Marcos? Uh, Texas State University at the Welcome Center. Right, Gotcha. Um, is there much tourism right now? No, so <laughs> um, we actually, we do college visits all year round. Right now we're doing smaller college visits just because of the pandemic. But yes, I'm a tour guide at the university, but I'm also a film consultant for the Welcome Center because I do promote promotional media and things like that for the Welcome Center, where I also am a tour guide. Gotcha. Um, and so, I mean, I guess my main question also was, um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about kind of your experience in film, especially within the, um, Texas Austin kind of community. Okay. Yeah. So I entered the film scene in Austin around my freshman year of college. Uh, that's when I really got into doing films. That's when I decided I wanted to be a filmmaker and chase that as a career path. And that's when I started making short films. And in addition to making films with my friends and my own films and things like that, I also take photos and I kind of got involved in Film Austin with Austin Film Festival my freshman year. That was where I met a lot of people and filmmakers that um, are professional in Austin. So I interned with them, I volunteered with them, and that led me to an internship and a vol volunteer gig at South by Southwest where I also met a lot of people and got involved in Austin. And then um, since then, I've just been working on films and making films with people at my university and in Austin. <laughs> nice. So the Austin Film Fest uh, is, a, is known to be a writer's festival. Are you a mm -hmm. writer as well? I am, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you get a chance to enjoy the festival at all when you were interning or...? Yeah, so my freshman year, I actually just volunteered and I went to the festival and I enjoyed it so much that I reached out as soon as I can to try to get involved with them somehow. I was honestly just planning on volunteering some more um, kind of after the festival happened so I could be involved more frequently. But that kind of turned into an internship pursuit and an interview process and all that. And then I ended up interning that summer. And being at the festival as an intern the next year 
which I still got to enjoy the festival, but mainly I ran uh, panels with different writers, renowned writers. Oh, super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to meet, I got to meet a lot of cool people doing that gig. Mm -hmm. You got um, any insights there or any uh, like really cool happenings? You drop some names for us. Well, um, so I always tell this story to quite a few people because a lot of people like the show Rick and Morty, right? Mm -hmm. And I had one of the writers um, of Rick and Morty in my room and it, he's not the main writer, but he's this other writer. I'm afraid I don't know. I don't remember his exact name, but <laughs> basically one of the writers of Rick and Morty, and I didn't watch the show at the time, came to Austin Film Festival to do a conference panel. And he was in my room that I was running. And in the back of the room, there's this couch where the panelists sit and kind of mingle and talk with me before they get on stage. And I introduce them and they do their whole panel thing. So uh, one of the guys was hanging back there on the couch and then it was time for him to go speak. So we went on stage, I introduced him and he began his panel. And then I went back to sit on the couch while the panel was going. And I noticed he had left a notebook there on the couch. And mm. this notebook was open and it had like the names Rick and Morty on the page and what appeared to be like ideas for Rick and Morty and stuff. And, you know, of course, I closed the notebook and kept it safe until the panel was over. But I like to think I could have I could have kind of peered into some Rick and Morty writing during this panel. <laughs> you took some pictures, I'm assuming. Oh, of course. Posterity. <laughs> I can sell them to you if you'd like. <laughs> can you tell? Maybe can you tell us if you uh, if we've seen if an episode has aired that you saw before or not, or do you did you just not look at it? No, I didn't look at it clearly enough, and I also mm. actually don't actually watch the show. I've just seen an episode or two. <laughs> so gotcha. I'm not much well, hope there, but it's a fun thing to contribute if Rick and Morty comes up in conversation. Right. Um, well, that is really cool. I just binged Rick and Morty for the first time, like over the pandemic. So I, yeah, it's a really lovely show. Yeah. Cool. I guess lovely is a good adjective for it. Um, <laughs> well, that's really cool. So you've already gotten like pretty involved in the film scene. Have you been able to continue going to the festival since then? Yes. Um, obviously not during, not since we've canceled things, but mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so I've either interned, interned or worked at the festival every year since my freshman year. And this most recent year, well, not the pandemic year, the, the most recent year that it actually happened, um, I wanted to take it easier and not do another internship because I, I felt I had already kind of put in my internship time and I really wanted to just enjoy the festival and network. So I was a projectionist and I did a bit of projections, but mostly just watched the films and went to the conference and stuff. So, yeah. Well, that's super cool. Um, I really um, think it's great when people like go to volunteer for those things. I've gotten to do, I think twice now, I've gotten to do the ATX Television Festival, which I think is like an okay. unsung kind of like, that not many people really knows it exists. Um, but like, it's a really small kind of like festival that's just based around television stuff, you know? Okay. Um, last year or the year that w the last time I went, uh, I got to see a panel um, with uh, uh, Dana from Superstore, Amy from Brooklyn nine, nine. Oh. Uh, and, um, and um, 
shoot. Oh, Janet from um, The Good Place. Uh, okay. And that was just amazing. All three of those women, uh, j- they're just the funniest women alive. And especially, it was like watching an improv show. And it was like a, one in a li- once-in-a-lifetime experience that I'll ever get. So, I mean, we have a lot of local festivals here that I'm like, I people really need to check out. Fantastic Fest used to be one of my favorite ones, but like the ATX Television Festival is definitely something that needs to get more attention, you know, especially now that television is becoming so big. Yeah, absolutely. It, it seems like there are so many um, opportunities and festivals like that just around the Austin area. It's a great place to be if you're a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... Uh, is there anything that you're kind of like working on now? Well, yes and no. So um, like we kind of mentioned earlier, I'm in the middle of working out what I'm going to do for my quote unquote undergraduate thesis film. I pretty much just want to do um, some sort of film before I graduate to get another another title under my belt. Um, and right now the idea I'm working on is just kind of like a light, fun comedy esque film which is not quite my style i usually do very dramatic things but mm. uh, i wanted to change it up and just do something fun for this semester so i'm working on that right now and uh has there been any challenge challenges going from drama to comedy that you didn't anticipate or are you still kind of um, like in the middle of it <laughs> yes i think i as a film viewer i always gravitate towards dramas i just love to be emotionally manipulated and i love to empathize with characters and it really makes me feel like a journey and in fact i don't watch a lot of comedy and i'm not 100 into comedy just because i love drama so much which um has been challenging because comedy is a is an art of itself you have to be so meticulous and um, you have to be so meticulous to be not meticulous in comedy. You know what I mean? It's like an it's an art that um, it's just difficult to master. And there's so many different facets, and it it can be difficult. And um, I think one of the biggest challenges that I face um, trying to write comedy is I just worry that there's not enough and not enough depth to it, or there's just not a emotional arc or journey or whatever, you know, I can't make my audience cry. So what am I doing? But then I just think that like, sometimes it's just okay to laugh. And it's just okay to be in this bright, shiny place and just laugh. And that's, that's kind of what I've been leaning towards for the whole comedic idea. So (laughs) Oh, yeah, I love that. Um, I am also a person that typically writes dramas. I'm not I don't um, lean towards comedy whatsoever. Um, it's just mm-hmm. not my time. I like to have fun. I like having comedic situations, but something that's like a straight comedy is not really my uh, ideal thing. I recently though wrote something and uh, edited a comedy thing, and I I find that the struggle is is like threefold. They say you you write a film three times, right? When you write it, when you <laughs> shoot it, and when you edit it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's the same thing in comedy with like the jokes. Like the jokes, like are f- like maybe funny when you write it, but then it's depending on the performance and the actors, right? And is it still funny when they perform it? And then when you get into the editing room, I've seen it so many times. Then is it still funny when you 
edit it. And it, I find that like, it's so hard to maintain funniness. (laughs) I agree because I, what I've found is like, I can craft this really funny situation, but there is a threshold of comedy where it's this joke and then it's this joke and they coincide and they build off each other. But if you, if you build too much off of the same quip or the same bit, you know, it's not in the threshold anymore and it's not funny anymore. And so you have to craft a situation that's not only funny, but it's like a, like an abundant, um, just like situation where there's so many jokes you can do. And there's so many, the situation just keeps going and going and you just have to set it up good enough to do that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there, is there anything that's kind of influencing like how you're approaching this film? Any other films I should say? Um, so, so history, am I, am I allowed to talk about like my idea on this podcast? Like, is that okay if I just talk well, about it? Well, I'm sure Tanner or someone in the chat will steal it. Um, <laughs> so it's really up to you, but yeah, you can go ahead. <laughs> well, I'll just briefly talk about it. So I'm not sure um, if, you know, or if listeners of this pod podcast know, but there is a happening in U.S. history where the first woman who was sent into space um, was given a hundred tampons for just like a couple days in space because male astronauts were kind of unsure with how many tampons to send with her in case she got her period in space. And I just think that is the, one of the funniest things that I have ever heard. And I'm kind of making a film about that. So inspiration <laughs> is history and like real events that have happened. <laughs> so wait, are you also trying to make a sci-fi technically? <laughs> no, they don't okay. actually go into space in the film. Oh. It's, but <laughs> no, I'd, I'd never heard that. That's, uh, that's definitely really funny. Um, the situation. So how do you mind besides the, the situation of just the, the, the sheer, um, I guess, cr- cra- ridiculousness of it. Um, mm-hmm. How do you continue to mind comedy from it? Um, well, pretty much. It's like a satire of, of like men. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> I just put men in this room Fair. talking about women's periods and tampons and stuff. And I just think like women can laugh at that yes and men hopefully they can laugh at it too even if it's just because they're uncomfortable and they can't say the word tampon without like cringing (laughs) you know what I mean but either way I think it brings great topics to the table and it just it just tickles me you know what I mean it's amazing how this is still like a relevant subject in a way um because there was a politician recently who like found the um, silhouette image of a tampon to be like super lewd for, and on like I remember him pointing it out on Twitter for like a, an ad I can't remember what the ad was for but everyone was like this is like January 1st this recently happened <laughs> and they're like what is he going on about like people are still just afraid to even mention the fact that a menstrual cycle even exists yeah, absolutely I you know I 
I've done a lot of research about this topic. Um, so I, um, I'm actually the president of film club at Texas state. And with that, I have something called feminine hour, which is just like a time for the women of film at Texas state to meet before film club and talk about female filmmakers and female films and just kind of create the sense of community and help each other out on sets and stuff like that. But every year we do a club wide feminine hour in March, which is the uh, like the month for women pretty much. And during that event, basically anybody, any female identifying person in film club can get up and talk about a topic that, about women in film. So anything from like tropes to female filmmakers or anything like that. And one, the first year we did this, I did a whole presentation about periods in film and how menstruation is portrayed and what it's used for in film. <laughs> Right. Which I assume from my from if I recall from memory is mostly to showcase whether or not a woman is pregnant. Right. Yes, it can be. So in in the presentation, I kind of broke down different categories in which periods are used in films. And a lot of times um, it's used for comedy, like just funny stuff in comedy movies, which is an interesting lens. Um, it's used for female bonding, like between a mother and a daughter, like an adolescent girl getting mm, her first mm-hmm. period, something like that. Um, I don't have the presentation in front of me, but those two and then like horror movies use blood, um, like menstruation blood and stuff like that for certain kind of like maternal imagery and creepy things. So that's another option. But and then just humor. Oh, I already said that. But like humor, yeah, comedy movies use it. Yeah, well, I'm learning things that I never expected to learn today on this podcast. So that's (laughs) really cool. Um, But (laughs) let's continue a little bit down this road. And I'm curious, as a young woman, uh, especially a senior, uh, in college, mm-hmm. um, filmmaker, what it's been like here in the industry, like trying to come up into the obvious, and we already know is a male dominated industry. We already know that like, there's a lot of different people trying to bring, um, representation for women all over the place. What's it been, what's your experience been like going through this journey? Wow. Okay. I love talking about this. So, um, it's been kind of, cinematic oddly enough like first of all I feel that I have to prove myself all the time like in my film program it's almost like nobody sees me or other female filmmakers as a threat or like as competition like able to make films at the levels that they make them until they see some of our work and then they're like oh But if a filmmaker that is male with, you know, a certain level of swagger comes along um, and talks about their films, it really seems like they automatically get this competitive air towards them and this um, kind of like camaraderie as well to help each other out. So it's like that was one of the first observations I made wanting to do film at Texas State is just um, the first time I ever really networked with people and connected was when people saw my work and then they were like, Oh, let me get your number. Like, let me, let's, let's work on this together. You know, it's like they, it's like, you really got to prove yourself first of all. 
Mm-hmm. So um, they basically, like, you didn't, they'd never talked to you until you started showing any sort of talent or potential in their eyes? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And in addition, like, this, that kind of idea manifests itself in other ways. Like, for example, I was on the film club board um, pretty early into my college career at Texas State. And at like the first meeting of the semester, um, the board would introduce ourselves and we would talk about us as filmmakers. And then after the meeting, people would come down and they'd want to meet everybody on the board and network and things like that. And it's happened multiple times where I will be standing next to one of my um my guy friends who are on the board and somebody will come up and shake their hand, look them in the eye and, you know, say, hi, what's your name? This is my name. This is what I do. And then they'll kind of glance over at me and be like, hi. And it's, it's not the same at all. And both times I've been like, you can shake my hand too. And, you know, hi, would you like to introduce yourself to me in the same way? You know? Um, so that's funny to observe as well. Sure. No, I bet. Um, how about on set? So on set, it's been it's been a lot better. Like pretty much any time I'm on set, it's not too much of a struggle. Um, I feel like every time I've been on set, I've been in a position like uh, student films, you know, where I am either the DP or I'm directing or I'm just working the slate or whatever. And we all kind of know each other. And it's definitely less of this like competition having to prove yourself. So it's been better that way. However, when I've been on set in Austin, you know, getting getting paid to be on set or um, bigger, bigger sets with actual call sheets and stuff like that that it can be a very nerve wracking thing because I find myself surrounded by like six feet tall guys and you know, I'm five two and can not lift certain equipment because I'm very small. And so I really got to be quippy. You know what I mean? I got to introduce myself and I have to socially be involved, you know, improve myself and ask about camera equipment and stuff like that to, um, to not just be the PA, you know what I mean? But I, I mean, everybody has to do that. But it's it's a lot of compensating where I can't lift heavy things to talk about things that I can do with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, does it is that something that you're like constantly like having to turn on and off? Is that something? I mean, did you expect that going in? Or did someone warn you about that, or did you just have to figure it out? Um. You know, I did expect that going in from kind of a odd circumstance. So pretty much, um, it always interests me how guys talk to guys. I feel like in groups of guys, there's kind of like this bro language sometimes where people use vocabulary like man and bro, my buddy over here. You know, it's like guys sometimes speak to each other in just a very interesting way that only guys speak to each other like. And I discovered this because before I came to Texas State, I worked at a bar and I was um, the only female there at the bar. And I really got to observe these guys just like talking as guys. And um, I got like practice, you know what I mean? Like butting myself into their conversations and, um, you know, conversing with them through that. And so I expected this coming to um, university and being on set with all men. I expected it would be pretty similar and that I would have to 
you know, conjure what knowledge I have about things like video games and stuff like that and be able to bust it out at a moment's notice so that I could connect, you know? Yeah. I mean, that must be tiring. What it sounds like. Yeah, I'm. it can be, but most of the time it's not because there's a lot of just like great people in the film scene and very respectful people. And it's like once you get over that initial like getting to know somebody or establishing like, hey, you're chill, I'm chill, like let's work on set together, let's collaborate together. It's It's not, it's not a difficult thing. And it's, you know, you actually make friends and you get very comfortable with everybody on set, so. Yeah. Um, I have the distinct pleasure of like majority of my time ADing. I think most, yeah, probably like four out of five times that I've AD'd, it's always been for a female director. Oh, um, yeah. Which has always been super cool for me because I've never, like I never like set out to do that. But mm -hmm. so when things happen, when I was learning about the, the differences on set, of experiences and stuff it was like all brand new to me and I was like I had to look back and be like oh how did I look at things I'm curious like because I don't because I feel like if you if you're having to change so many things that you you need to do to like fit in um mm -hmm. if you have any sort of thoughts on like what the guys club can do to, <laughs> to be more inclusive I guess um, I think, I think just if guys could always check themselves when they, um, are working with women or working around women. And by that, I mean, like really make sure they're seeing every female in the same light that they see every male, like just as competent, not overly emotional, you know, or not as, uh, uh, not as much of a leader and stuff like that. Just like gen genuinely be seeing everybody on the same playing field and also not caring if she is attractive or not. Nope. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, I'm assuming that's happened quite a bit <laughs> as well. well mm. Yeah. I mean, I've always, like growing up a female, as I'm sure many, many women can agree with, it's kind of like a realization that a lot of people, when they first meet you or they first get to know women, it's like they first see them or judge them as how attractive they believe they are before seeing them as a person. And it's kind of, it's kind of different for guys, in my opinion. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, yep. Nope. I think I understand a little bit about what <laughs> you're saying there. Um, well, uh, cool. I thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Thank you great. for asking. <laughs> um, uh, and um, what is... Uh, so beyond that, in terms of like f films that you're trying to get into and where you're trying to go, we kind of know where you're coming from. I'm curious about like what's the kind of like goals and where you're trying to go, especially... Um, what you see in terms of yourself in the Austin film scene. Okay. Um, so I think very similar to many people interested in doing films and being filmmakers is that I do want to be a director, you know, above all else, that's the mm -hmm. goal. That's the dream. Um, 
In terms of being in Austin, so I graduate in May and then I'll be in Austin through the summer. But I actually plan on flying the coop and moving to LA Mm -hmm. late summer and diving Mm -hmm. into the film scene there. So until that happens, um, I'll probably still just work any gig that I can get here in Austin and, you know, do what I can before I leave. What's been your ways of finding these gigs and and continually moving forward with your career? There's not many people, I feel like, especially in college, that like understand how to take these like tangible steps to like actually get on film sets and to actually like Mm. keep doing something after they graduate school. What's been your ways to do it? Well, um, from the very like first film class or even theater class, I can remember taking um, anybody, any kind of older person that's been in the industry for a while always says, it's just about connections. It's about who you know and uh, who can help you out kind of. And I remember just thinking like, wow, that's going to be tough. And it, it can be, it can be tough always relying on like social interactions to get you gigs, but truly that is how I've gotten any gig that I've gotten in Austin, any sort of paid film events. But so pretty much um, the first the first PA gig that I got in Austin and that kind of led to every other thing that I've gotten was through a professor that I had at Texas State, uh, a woman that I really admired and that I reached out to after class one day. And I remember being very nervous to do this. And I was like, hey, um, you know, I really respect you as a filmmaker and as a professor. I was wondering if you would get coffee or if you would sit down and talk to me about um, your experiences in the film industry and how I can break in and stuff. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And then I had this option to um, come during her office hours, you know, but instead I did take this leap of faith faith, and I said, um, can you get coffee with me this weekend? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. So I got to meet out of outside of the university with my professor. And um, with that, it kind of started a lot of things. And I met a lot of people through her. And yeah, that's kind of where it all got started for me. That's amazing. I I do feel like I hear that kind of thing a lot. Um, I feel like I've heard even from like casting directors themselves too, like that not many people just kind of ask them to go get coffee or to hang out. I mean, granted, and obviously we're living in a different time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so all before the pandemic, um, that was definitely yeah. something I heard quite a bit. Um, you know, it seems like such a simple idea that even when I was a young filmmaker, never really once crossed my mind that I had the ability to reach out <laughs> to those people, you know, like I've, I was like, well, they don't know who I am. They're just going to say no or they're like, I'm like a nobody in their eyes. Like I have to prove myself or something, right? Before mm-hmm. they're going to want to like meet with me. But they're, a lot of people are willing to kind of give their knowledge or like just have a general chat. Um, Absolutely. What I found if you just ask. I think it's a common misconception um, that a lot of, I hear from a lot of people um, that the professors, you know, don't necessarily want to talk or don't. Um, they're like very busy and have a lot of things to do. But I think it's a very, you know, plausible truth that people love to talk about themselves, you know, especially if you've devoted your life to a craft and an art that you're established in, you know, who wouldn't want to talk about over coffee, what they like in movies and how when they were in the same shoes that you're in now, you know, it's, it's a very human thing to do. 
Yeah, no, that's a very, very good point. Um, I, I'm assuming you're pretty optimistic about the future in terms of film and things. Um, would you say that's true? Or no? Yes, like in terms of the, the industry moving the forward. Industry the industry and maybe your even personal career. Yeah, I think you have to be very optimistic and honestly, pretty, pretty crazy to go like head first into this industry in that way. So yeah, I would say I'm pretty optimistic about it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that it's, um, uh, you know, people have told you and it's like the cliche of like, it's who you know. I think mm-hmm. one of the first things one of the first projects I worked on, if not the first project I worked on when I came to Austin as a 22 year old to pursue acting, I worked with an older actor uh, who I won't say his name. He was pretty popular um, at the time and had his own Mm -hmm. stuff going. Like he did quite a bit. I remember talking with him like after a scene one day and outside and um, he's like, he was so jaded and he was like, it's, it's not, who you know it's who you blow Um, oh and that was like my first real like interaction with anyone like in austin you know um wow so man it's been a weird um time so it's great to you know talk to people who um don't like have that experience that are like actually being encouraged to pursue things you know and actually (laughs) (laughs) So um, so now that it's been a bit, do you agree with this statement? <laughs> I'm a pretty jaded person. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't agree that with that statement whatsoever. No. Um, it's been definitely a struggle. I mean, you know, it's been 10 years of working in the industry and trying to make things happen. And not everyone um, finds success in the same ways, you know, or the way that you might see it or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. But that idea of of like putting yourself out there and continually working towards something or like just asking people for coffee or just, you know, trying to um, meet with people or whatever, you know, um, Mm -hmm. is always going to be true, you know, and you can always do that. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. You, you'd also be surprised at who you, who you can track down online just through like Reddit and stuff like that. Like you can get pretty close to people you admire. Excuse me? Are you uh, stalking some people online? (laughs) No, I'm not. I just like, for example, um, filmmakers that I really like, um, even if they're very famous, I will reach out to like their DPs or just people they've worked with on Instagram or social media or or something like that. And I'll just be like, I'm a film student. Um, I'm interested in learning about how you broke into the industry and what it was like working on this film, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people will re- will respond and will be down to talk to you. And I've done that quite a bit. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. Do you have a way that you kind of like, um, is there a specific way, like a, a template that you use whenever you're reaching out to people? Or what are you trying to, I guess... Besides, you just trying to have a conversation, or are you trying to work with them as well? Um, usually, I'm gen- I'm genuinely just trying to have a conversation with them, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to just um, you know, understand how they got their start, and it's just good to know that. And I'm I think if if that turns into a job somehow, obviously that would be great, but it it never has because they're all 
in LA or in a different country working on stuff, you know, but, um, but I think just at the most basic level as a filmmaker, you can be like, I talked to the guy who shot this movie and I love this movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Anyone again, <laughs> you've apparently talked to so many famous people, anyone you want to um, mention? Um, that you found well, that I, was like su- either super cool that you never expected to be super cool or someone that was like a super dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually have not encountered a super dick yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite people was, um, so one of my favorite movies ever is called Nocturnal Animals by Tom Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, great film. And I was just reaching out to all the DPs of all the movies that I love. And the DP of Nocturnal Animals is this guy named Seamus McGarvey. And he also shot uh, like a couple Avengers movies and um, what is it? Anna Karenina, which I love a couple of just like very beautiful movies. So anyways, I reached out to this guy on Instagram. I just DM'd him and I pretty much just said, I'm a film student. I really like your work. I was wondering if I could talk to you a little bit about how you got your start. And he responded to me and he said, yes, he gave me his phone number. So I just randomly called him. We talked on the phone for like an hour, just about photography and the art of cinematography and all that. And then I took another kind of leap of faith. And I said, "Um, would you mind if I called you in a month or two and just kind of checked in and see what you're doing? And he was like, absolutely. And we talked all through quarantine and, um, yeah, we still check up on each other sometimes and I just hear about his, his the new stuff he's doing and it's really cool. Yeah. And have you gotten any insights from that in terms oh, of cinematography? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. This guy, he's he's kind of older. He's got just endless amounts of experience and knowledge about cinematography. So, yeah. Well, I guess you're right. Uh, the people that you think are out of reach are pretty close. <laughs> That's they really cool. can be. They really can be. Yeah. I yeah. You know. I guess our assumption is always like, oh no, they get a lot of weirdos that talk to them. Like, wh- who's gonna listen to me? I I'm assuming that the difference is that you're specifically reaching out as a film student, and people like to talk to students whenever you're trying to seek advice. But. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say that I've a lot of people just never respond to you and. You know, I would like to think they're just too busy, you know, doing their film work. And that's okay, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now's a good time. Uh, if we have anyone in the chat who has any questions, um, feel free to put them in the chat. I, um, If you're listening to this, uh, you can always listen in live on Discord. At um, You can find that at austinfilmcore.com. And we have a chat and you can ask questions and interact with the guests live. And it's always a lot of fun uh, while those possible questions are getting typed up. Um, sometimes just to fill time, I ask uh, what you've been watching. What are you excited about? Wait, is this question for me? Yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what, have I, what have I been watching? Okay. Well, obviously the, the film industry, it's, it's pretty, um, pretty sad right now just not a lot of not a lot of things going on but i recently (laughs) well i say because when i go to see a movie it's it's just like i just remember all these movies that were supposed to come out that didn't come out that you're excited to see that you didn't get Mm -hmm. to see and uh yeah it's a whole thing but um so pretty much i saw um, a, a movie called promising young woman have you heard of it i have heard of that 
And I've been wanting to see it, but I've not wanted to go to a theater to do it. So. Yes, I completely understand that. And the theater that I went to see it, I was actually the only person there. So worked out nicely mm-hmm. for me. But um, I had been anticipating this movie for a long time, and it was incredible. I really, really enjoyed it, and I definitely recommend everybody see it. Yeah, really cool. I know that there's it's hard to talk about because there's probably like a lot of spoilers. So <laughs> um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just leave it at that, I suppose. Um, I guess though, is there any anything vague that not plot wise, but that like really kind of struck you in terms of like why why you loved it so much or anything? Absolutely. So um so we've seen a lot of times in cinema what what a lot of people would call a rape revenge movie where something horrible has happened to a woman and coincidentally the movie is written by a man and the woman um, goes on this crazy like rampage and maybe kills somebody and wears a really tight suit or you know like it's it's like a revenge story and it's always been interesting to me to see that because it's what I imagine men are like this is what a woman would feel after this happens to her right but mm-hmm. in this movie it is so boldly the female perspective and it takes a topic so delicate and important as sexual assaults and it just grabs it by the horns and it just dives into this topic with such grace and explores it deeply and it's it's a breath of fresh air to see this feminine perspective into something that matters um so much you know to our culture and my personal life you know oh my gosh it was amazing yeah i loved it (laughs) Yeah, do you know I I'm sad that I never looked into it. I've saved all the articles because I don't want to spoil anything and I'm waiting to see it before I like read anything about it, right? But mm-hmm. is it been like was it directed and written by women? Was it like mostly crude crude by women or Yes. You know? So mm-hmm. the director was a woman named Emerald Fennell. Fennell. Um that is her name. She's actually an actress. She's in the crown if you've seen it, but um she wrote and directed the film um i'm not really sure about the crew but um yeah she's the woman behind that and it's brilliant and she casted the film wonderfully very strong women in the roles as well nice um well cool uh go watch promising young woman if you can find it and if you can do it safely um hopefully it comes out soon on uh video on demand or a way that um, I can watch it because <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I've been really wanting to see it. Um, yeah. So uh, one question we have is from Tanner. Uh, and he says, uh, Hannah, your film's aesthetic stood out to me immediately. Would you please talk about your process for cinematography? Some influences, uh, what works regarding lighting, et cetera, maybe even some goals for your cinematography? Okay, great. So um, my process for cinematography, pretty much, I just kind of feel like in my mind, I have this like archive of shots and lighting and settings and mood and camera movements and things like that, that really make me feel something. And when I sit down to plan to shoot a movie, I usually just kind of tap into those emotions. And, you know, it's the balance of your own original ideas and what inspires you. And I just kind of go for the feeling that a lot of other films give me. Um, And then besides that, 
I've always just kind of gone for it. A lot of times it's, you can imagine exactly what it should look like in your head and you can make storyboards and everything. But sometimes you get on set and you just see something a certain way and you just feel like it should be one way or another. And then you just do it and it works out really nicely. And it's like this resilience. It's this um, willingness to be open to new things on set and whatever speaks to you on set. So um, my process is a little all over the place, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, would you say um, when you talk about your like images or the, the that are kind of like always in your head, right? Um, mm-hmm. The shots that you're thinking of and stuff, is that something that's like all imagined things or is that something that's, like you're constantly adding to it like an act like you're watching films and like you see a frame and you're like I remember that and you're putting these are from existing films kind of thing you know I think it's a little bit of both I think mm-hmm. um sometimes I'll just see a shot and it'll just resonate with me and I always remember it and then other times I'll have just scenarios and little things in my head about movies and and shots that I've always imagined that um like I imagine are also from a movie, if you will, but, but they're not, I just imagine them. And I kind of just, like I said, I balance inspiration in my own ideas and I just try to converge them into the one emotion and one direct feeling and then go from there. Gotcha. Um, and so, uh, I mean, so when you read a script, you're just kind of like, assigning these shots to it as you go along yes so Mm -hmm. it definitely comes from an emotional place i think Mm -hmm. the older i get the less i'm like what would look really cool here or Mm -hmm. what is the sharpest way i can portray this it's more of what do i want people watching this to feel You know, is it isolation? Is it bliss? Do I want it to feel chaotic? Do I want the camera to be a character in this story? Or do I want the character to or the camera to be like a window um, as a vessel for us to see the story? You know, it's questions like that, that I think come from the emotions of the script when you read it. Yeah. And does that so if you're working as a cinematographer, how do you work with a director on figuring out those emotions? Or are we uh, usually are usually directing and doing cinematography at the same time? Um, I do I do both. I um I do them simultaneously, but then I've also worked with directors before. And mm-hmm. usually in that situation, I will do my own work with the script and get my own ideas and visuals in my head and then just converge with the director and be like, This is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm thinking, you know, and they'll say, Oh, that's great, or I th- I thought this was more of this and not that, and it's truly a artistic collaboration. Mm-hmm. But I've I've also had directors that just honestly don't really know, and they're like, just do what you do, you know. Do you prefer that or no? I I definitely don't prefer that because yeah. I I think any artist would prefer a director that is connected to the script and that is you know, emotionally invested in the script and has, has an eye for what they want it to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, if you can describe, um, or if you feel like there's a way to do it, like when you, how do you translate an emotion 
into an image? Like what are some practical ways that you do that? So I think one of the first questions is um, what, what do we want the camera to feel like? So it's usually like, do we want it on sticks or do we want it not on sticks? I kind of see it as like a little flow chart. And if it's like, mm-hmm. if it's on sticks, great. If it's not on sticks, do we want it, you know, what level of chaos do we want it to feel, you know, handheld, skinny, or um, what's it? Steady cam, you know, um, lots of different options there, but it's like just different paths you go down and to just build a feeling. And it's like, once you build one shot, you have to keep that in mind for your next shot. So you've got a cohesive, a cohesive body of things, you know, and it's not just all over the place. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's easy to be like, okay, in this scene, this character is, is very still. And I want to feel like we are looking in and observing this character. So let's put the camera on sticks. And then it's like, if we have another scene that is a lot different, um, if it's like a chaotic scene, it might be easy to say, let's make it just handheld. But sometimes jumping from that steadiness to handheld will disrupt the balance and the flow of the whole film. So you have to consider that. Um, It's like a puzzle. It's like building and building and building, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm curious if... um... And it might be like too like early on to really know, um, mm-hmm. but like, how do you feel that translates into? And how, does a cinematographer have like their own style? And like, what is? How do you? Um, how have you been searching for your own? Or do you feel like that a cinematographer doesn't have a style? You know, and you just kind of like go with whatever feels right, kind of thing. I think cinematographers definitely have styles I feel like it's kind of like singing if you will it's like you have a lot of artists have like a way that they sing and that's what we know them for and it but they can sing in different ways and they do sometimes but usually they sing in how we know that they do you know and so I feel like really talented cinematographers have a voice and they have characteristics that are specific to them but they also you know they stray from that time and time because certain movies call for that but I think personally, I'm definitely still developing my voice. I feel like it is way, uh, it's like too early for me to know exactly, put a pin on exactly what my, so what my voice is, you know, but I can say that, um, and this kind of goes with the rest of Tanner's question. Um, I like a lot of natural light and if not natural light, like emulating that natural light or boosting natural light um, to make a very, naturalistic feel and I also really like a nice steady shot I just gravitate towards that and like there's some shots that I really like to do that I always do um but I don't know if I would call that my style that might just be me wanting to do cool things at this point in time you know no yeah for sure I mean I've definitely tried to figure out like if I have my own style when it comes to certain things you know and um Mm -hmm. part of it comes like my if I could ascribe any sort of style to my own cinematography, it, it's like, um, it's just this intention with like movement. I'm come from an editing background, so I know how I'm going to mm. use things. So I don't do excessive coverage if I can help it. Yeah. Um, Cause I know I'm just going to use this one shot for this one line or this one push in for this one moment, you know, like I don't need the entire scene here. 
that kind of thing. You know, oh, I think that's mm-hmm. sorry. I was going to say, I think that's great. Like, I, I think if you can get to a point where you're shooting a film and you're not doing certain things for the sake of coverage, like you have that level of confidence, that's where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still rely on some dialogue scenes. I'm I really want to get away from like always relying on over the shoulders, but sometimes they happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but yeah. Um, other than that, it's like anytime I can introduce some sort of movement to something, I find that it, it, it speaks to me a lot more like, and what does the movement mean? You know, mm. whether it's a push in or a pull or, um, uh, a pan or, a, you know, just a handheld kind of thing you know um yeah definitely um but that also might just be like the director and me like doing things as i don't know who knows where exactly mm-hmm. that falls and i'm still trying to develop it so yeah mm-hmm. um super interesting um did have a follow-up and i totally um forgot it. oh you're uh so what kind of cinematographers do you kind of look to- towards um what are your favorites so um any film by Terrence Malick has always just really resonated with me visually not necessarily not necessarily like sitting down and watching the story but just like visually anything Terrence Malick related I just gravitate to so much like the mm-hmm. naturalistic kind of vibe of it is lovely so big fan of literally any Terrence Malick film <laughs> just in general um and then also another one of my favorite filmmakers for visuals is um paul thomas anderson i really like how he uses light and also in one of my favorite films by him phantom thread he was the cinematographer himself yeah so that's that's really cool that he did that and he works a lot with natural light too always just kind of like boosting it to make it look even illuminate everything but make it still look natural and stuff and so i definitely follow him as a role model in that sense mm-hmm. yeah. i think even if it's not natural light i think that just m- knowing where your light's coming from is always important um yeah i guess unless you're on lord of the rings where people just always <laughs> wondered where the light was coming from um yeah that's a jo- that's an old joke that's an old <laughs> old movie story <laughs> um I'm, we don't, showing my age okay um well yeah it's super cool um, anyone, if anyone else has any questions, uh, let us know. Now's the time. Um, other than that, if we don't have any, um, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, we've covered so much <laughs> from uh, menstrual <laughs> cycles uh, to <laughs> filmmaking. Um, um, what are you What are you working on next? Where can people like follow you and find your work and things like that? um uh, my instagram is definitely a point of contact for anything creative that i do it's just hannah underscore heard on instagram um i also use that as a photography outlet just like a creative space so um that's where i post anything if i do anything and i'll be working on that thesis film this semester and um yeah that's what i kind of got in the works yeah and it seems like also you're you're trying to be involved and in, like creating other spaces for like other people um, in different ways, whether it's being a part of the film club or, you know, doing the um, 
the women's hour. I can't remember exactly. So I'm sorry what it was called, but you know, things okay. like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and also volunteering and stuff is like, how can, how do you feel like other, um, are there any ways people can get connected in those kinds of things that you're trying to do and also yeah. do that? Yes, absolutely. So if, if anybody is a student at Texas State University, they can be a part of the film club and that's a great way to get involved. And I will happily connect any film club member with any anybody that they might need on set. But then in addition, um, I guess I would say to just start reaching out to people. Like I mentioned earlier, people in film, any sort of artist persona really likes talking about what they do and why they do it. So don't be afraid to reach out to people. And um, a lot of cities have just... Um, little like film clubs or local film festivals. Like if you live in Austin, obviously there's a lot going on with that and they take volunteers. So that's a great way to get involved. But if you live in San Marcos, there's also a San Marcos cinema club and a San Marcos film festival and things like that. And they're always looking for volunteers and people to get involved as well. So like I said, just do a little, do a little digging, do do a little hunting and um, introduce yourself to people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do it. Um, well, super cool. Um, thank you so much, Hannah, for jumping on this. Um, uh, even though you didn't, had no idea what it was or what was going on, I think you gave a lot of valuable insight. And anyone who's listening, like, I think it'll be clear that like you've got um, a bright future ahead of you in, in some capacity when, when it involves film. You know, because you're really you're really trying um, not only to make space for yourself, but making space for other people. And I think that's just really commendable. So, yeah. Thank you so much. I really yeah. appreciate the kind words and thank you for having me on your podcast. I'll definitely be listening and supporting. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, um, uh, you can find more episodes of this at austinfilmcore.com. Anyone who's listening uh, should be any place you have podcasts, anything like that. Thank you so much for everyone in the chat and everyone for listening in live on the Discord Go find the Discord if you want to get involved in Austin Film and get connected and hopefully find jobs or just find some inspiration, things like that. Hopefully Hannah will be sticking around with us as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, I'll catch we'll catch everyone later.